Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our final week in our series, I Want to Be Like Jesus. Now, again, as we have covered over this time in our series, and I encourage you, if you haven't been with us, to go back and listen to some of the previous messages on the spiritual practices we've been talking about. Again, as we've stated, that whole, the whole opening video or song, if you're listening to this message, is, is I want to be like Mike, right? If you were a kid growing up in the 90s, or even if you weren't a kid, you were just an adult in the 90s, that song was extremely popular. And, of course, it was a Gatorade commercial promoting their product that if you want to be like Michael Jordan, you drink Gatorade. The reality was, was it didn't matter how much Gatorade you would ever drink, you could not become Michael Jordan. Gatorade is what made him great. He was a determined very skilled and very gifted man who played basketball and other sports as well. And so no matter how much Gatorade you drink, you'd never be like him. And even if you practice like him, you probably wouldn't be like him because he was the greatest of all time. Sorry if you think elsewise, but in basketball terms, he was the greatest of all time. And likewise, we follow Jesus. And this whole series is based around the premise that Jesus is the greatest of all time. He lived the perfect life, and we are to model our lives after him. But the reality is, is we're not going to be like Jesus either. No matter how hard we try, how many of these spiritual practices we put into place, how many Bible verses we memorize, how much of the Holy Spirit we're filled with, whatever you do, you won't be like Jesus. However, we can model our lives like him. And so often we look at the 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 characteristics that Jesus had and the power of the Holy Spirit that filled him and, and gave him the, the ability, being God himself, to do miracles and to speak powerfully. And we're like, we are going to practice those things. But it's not gifts or, or maybe practicing your homiletics or whatever it is that you're going to practice to, to be a better preacher like Jesus or to do miracles like Jesus or to have peace and patience and kindness, no matter how hard you try to get better at those things, we're, we're battling. And so this whole series has been looking at the practices of how Jesus lived, because when we start looking at the practices of him, then we start living life like him, and through those practices, we can start having things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We can start having things like being filled with the Spirit in order to do prophetic ministry, miracles, to, to speak and, and to see God move. When we do the practices of Jesus, we will do what Jesus did. We will say things like what Jesus did and transform lives. And so over the course of this series, we've been looking at things like Sabbath. Jesus practiced Sabbath. Meditation and prayer, Bible reading. We've talked about fasting. Some of these things that I don't know too many Christians who practice. And these were just four of them. There's a lot more spiritual practices out there that we haven't covered. And there are many great books out there that can help you. There's many great studies. And you just type in Google search and say spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, or practicing the way, you will find so many great resources that can help you further. This was just 
meant to whet your appetite, to kind of get you excited for this thought, because honestly, things aren't exactly exciting, right? Slowing down in life and and taking time to just think about what you need to do and, and how God would have you lead your life. Fasting. Nobody likes talking about fasting, right? But today, my hope is that this one, we're, we're leaving it off with a bang. And I think this one, again, it's one that has been over the last few years, I would say, forgotten a little bit, partly because we've gotten so busy and COVID messed things up. But we're going to be talking about community, the importance of coming together in community. It's so important. And as we'll see today, and hopefully you'll walk away with this excitement to gather together with a handful of people that can strengthen you, encourage you, can guide you, sharpen you, be there for you in difficult times. Get back to the reality of what church really is, a group of people meeting together to encourage, draw closer to God, draw closer to you. And so with that, I want to open today with a thought from nature. Maybe you've seen this before. This is on probably every National Geographic video that you've ever probably seen in, in maybe science class on nature or maybe on your PBS or whatever it is. A lion or a hyena or a cheetah going after its prey. What does a hyena do? It alienates. It's prey. It knows that if it can separate the prey or peg out the, the smallest one or the weakest one or maybe an injured one, if it can separate it by getting it away from the pack, it knows it can absolutely consume that in no time. Right? And that's what the enemy does to us over and over and over again, I have seen countless people, and this is something that I struggle with myself. Maybe if you're extrovert, this isn't something that you struggle with. And you probably struggle a little bit more with meditation or Sabbath or getting away, right? So each of us will struggle with some of these more than others. But for many people that I walk around and do life with, something that they struggle with, maybe not so much being out in public and around people, but truly being grounded in a relationship with others where they are known and they can know the other person. And what happens when we're just at this surface level and we're just saying, ah, how's it going today? Hey, it's a nice day out, huh? Those kind of surface levels make you feel like you're alone, that nobody understands you. And over the last few years since COVID, there has been countless of suicides because people feel like nobody cares about them. Community protects us. Community strengthens us. Community refines us. And the enemy knows that. And he knows if he can alienate you, he will destroy you. And we know from John 10.10 10, that the enemy comes to seek, to kill, and to destroy. But that God wants you to have life and life in abundance. And one of the tools that Jesus used, countless, and it's something that we see throughout scriptures, is people gathered together. 
We see this in Acts 2 all the way through to the end, right? What were they doing? They were gathering together on a regular basis, praying, eating, giving up all of their resources so that they could, in essence, live in a, in a small commune, right? Like, well, it eventually got really big because there was thousands and thousands of them. So this big, massive church becomes many little house churches because they didn't have a place to gather and worship, right? They would go to the Jewish temple and they'd get kicked out because they're following Jesus. And the Jewish temple wanted nothing to do with that. So they were on their own, gathering, worshiping. Fact is, is that God picks community for our good. And so when he says that you shall not be alone, it's for our good. When he says to gather, that we are to not forsake the gathering as some have done, it's for our good. It's for our good. And this brings us to our passage today from 1 Peter, verses 5 and 6 of chapter 2. And Peter says some very powerful statements here. He says, as you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple, what's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for a great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be destroyed. We could spend hours on this passage going into a lot of different details, but I just want to make really two just very brief thoughts on this. Number one, we are living stones. Now, at, at first glance, this seems pretty lame, right? I mean, a stone. A stone is used as paperweight at the door. It just stops so it can stay open. By itself, a brick is, is nothing. But Peter here isn't saying that we're just a brick. We're a brick that builds something. A temple. Something beautiful. Something where God's presence can dwell. And yes, we, our bodies are, are, as Paul would say, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Yes, but together, Peter is saying, we make this beautiful place, and each one of us has a part. And then he ends it by saying, but it must be built on the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ himself. And so each of us has a part to build God's kingdom together, this beautiful place for his presence. But at the foundation, he's got to be at the base, at the core. And think of it in, in the terms of of like the Great Wall of China, right? Or maybe the, the, the Egyptian pyramids or the Eiffel Tower, right? Like one little brick or one little piece of metal isn't much at all. But when it's brought together, it builds something amazing. Something that stands the test of time and weather. So together we make something beautiful. We are his church. We are what God has called. We are the greatest organization on the face of this planet that God uses to transform lives. You may feel like you're just a brick. There's so much more to this life. You're a part of God's family. 
you are a priest. You are a priestess. That comes together and you offer sacrifices that please you. And so today I want to share just a few thoughts on community. And many of this stuff is stuff that you're going to know, but I hope that it that it stirs something inside of you that that you are not meant to be alone. You need other people. I'm not saying you need to surround yourself with hundreds and hundreds of people. No, you need a handful of people that will care about you. So as we go into this, just be reminded of that. This isn't groundbreaking. You're not going to walk away thinking that, man, that was just like the most inspiring message I've ever heard. No, it's not. And none of the spiritual practices are. All these things are things we know. But when we put them into play, we realize that every day we practice these things. Every time we sit down and read our Bible and we pray and we spend time with others, we become more like him. We're growing in the love of so my first thought for you today is that we is better than me. We is better than me. Again, nature proves this, right? And scripture supports it. We is better than me. Uh, a poor little wildebeest. All by itself is a sitting duck. A little gazelle. If it's broken, it has a broken leg, or or something has happened to it, it's a sitting duck. We need community for our protection. Koinonia is this beautiful word that is used throughout Acts, and it's, it's, it's such a powerful word that, that really emphasizes the importance of daily, regular community. Like a place where you sit down and you eat together. Where you share your hurts, your thoughts, and your concerns. You need that. Now, for some people, they find it. They find it in family. But I want to encourage you today that you need a group of people that could be two people. It could be six. But really, anything more than that, it's hard to know and be known outside of six because typically there's always going to be one person or two people who guide that whole conversation so just a handful of people in your life you need who are grounded in jesus that will strengthen encourage and comfort you so we is better than me coining me a daily community checking in Obviously, we can't share a meal with people every day. That's unrealistic. But we can text and call. Send a letter. Just saying, hi, how are you doing? Checking in. You okay today? How can I pray for you? What verse are you thinking about today? Simple. Simple, basic, but yet important. So listen to how Paul put it in 1 Corinthians. This is beautiful. It's chapter 12. Just a few verses, 14 through 20. He says, Indeed, the body is not one part but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not 
for that reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the senses be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Peter uses bricks. Paul uses parts of the body. Together, we become one and glorify God because we're useful, we're beneficial. We are better than we know. And Jesus lived it himself. He had 12 guys. And even within those 12 guys, he had three, just a handful that he spent a little more time with. Who is that for you? Are you connected to a handful of people? We are just better than we know. Number two, you need friends who will stretch and comfort you. Nobody can go through life alone. You're going to need a person at some point in your life who is there for you, who is your safe person, who you know you can share those hard things with. If you don't, you will die inside. It may be physically right now because your inside influences your outside. The smartest guy in the Bible Solomon put it this way in Proverbs 27, 17. Just as iron is used to sharpen iron, so we sharpen one another. Amen. So true, right? When you are around people who build you up and strengthen you and don't tear you down, you get better. Who is that in your life? You need them. You need people who will be there when you have bad news. You need people there for you when you need to be kicked in the pants and get your act together. You need people. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Thessalonians 5, that we are to strengthen, encourage, and comfort one another. Strengthen, encourage, and comfort one another. You need people that are there for you. The spiritual practice of community is for your good. For your good. And then lastly, remember, remember, to keep Jesus as the foundation. Jesus must be the foundation. Do you have community in your life that isn't grounded in Jesus? Absolutely. But hopefully those relationships are you bringing the light to that dark place, right? Pushing out the darkness in those areas. But you need to be built up too. You need to be strengthened. You need to be comforted, encouraged. And so you need to have those relationships built solid on Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. Going back to Peter, right? When he said in verse 6 of chapter 2, we are to build our lives on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. If he's not the foundation, the world is going to crumble beneath our feet. Jesus is the answer. He is the hope of the world, and it is what the church is built on. The church is built on Jesus, not on a pastor, not on a mission statement, not on structure, not on finances, not on the next great outreach or the great discipleship program that we have. It is built on Jesus himself. And your relationships, if they're not built on Jesus, they will crumble. We are just a, another social club if we don't have Jesus. 
He is the reason. He is the hope of eternal life. He is what the whole Bible is all written about. Everything directs towards Jesus and his glory of the kingdom of God. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So your community must be built on Jesus. So as we close our time together in this series, what does this look like for you? What are you doing? Your time is valuable. I understand that. I gave you five practices, five very time-consuming, or maybe not so much time-consuming, but you have to sacrifice doing or being. Sabbath is taking time away. Meditation is taking time away. Fasting is directing your attention to God instead of eating or your devices, whatever it is, to focus on God. Right? Community is taking away your personal time to be strengthened, build yourself up with others. This all takes time. But the reality is, is if you're going to be like Jesus, it's going to take sacrificing your desires to the kingdom of God. Can you live a Christian life and end up in heaven and not do these practices? Possibly. But I've seen too many Christians continue to fall further and further from God to the point where I don't even know where they're at with Jesus anymore. But they didn't stay committed to the life that Jesus lived. It's hard to be committed to somebody that you're not doing what they do, practicing what they practice, being where they are, doing what they do. So that's my challenge for you. Look at your life. Look at the life of Jesus. You simply have to Take a look at one of the gospel books. Read it. Don't necessarily look at what Jesus says or what he does, but look at how he lives his life. Does your life look like Jesus' life in modern day terms? What does it look like for him? Are you spending time with God? Are you spending time with others? And take a look at what you want in your life, what you prioritize, cut away that stuff that keeps you from Jesus and see what you get. Father, I pray for every person that they will commit their lives to a lifestyle of Jesus. I pray now that they will find safe, healthy people that will help them in community to build like Jesus. Father, we need I pray that they will dedicate, they will be very intentional about finding those people to help those people in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And I'm so excited for the next series that we're looking at that I've titled Savage. I hope you can come back next week when we open up some of the crazy stories that we find in the Bible and realize that these were ordinary people just like us who did amazing things for Jesus. We'll catch you then.